1: To Force Perspectives. This is the first episode, part one of our Obi Wan Kenobi retrospective. Uh, I am your host, of course, Michael Cohen, and uh, joining me for our Obi Wan retrospective, uh, my my steadfast co-host, Marty Alaman. Marty, uh, welcome, welcome back to Force Perspectives. You were recently on an episode of our Mando recaps. But uh, after that, we were talking about it. And we were like, I was like, I need a co-host for this Obi-Wan <laughs> thing that I want to do. Uh, do you want to do all six episodes? And you were totally down. So thank you for hanging out with me and talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi one year later, one year after the show.
0: One year later. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm so happy and just thankful for you uh, accepting me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just happy that uh, this is just fun. I, I'm I'm, I'm. I'm almost glad that you kind of quit podcasting, or at least had that uh, semi hiatus. I guess you know yeah. when it came to uh, Obi Wan because I've always wanted to uh, talk to you just about it, and because I always wanted to, more importantly, hear your perspective on your yeah. favorite character in everything. Uh, in uh, Obi Wan's your favorite character, correct? Yes, like, absolutely, and, and not just Star Wars, but we're talking like everything, right? Uh,
1: I mean, I would say, I would say, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to argue it when I look around the room that I'm sitting in or I walk (laughs) around my house or I look at the ring that is currently on my finger. Uh, so, um, I, I got, I, Crystal and I got married 13 years ago, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I was, I was significantly, um, uh, let's say thinner back then. And uh, one thing that people don't tell you as you get older, your hands actually get bigger. <laughs> so yep. my wedding ring doesn't fit me anymore. Um, and I uh, uh, like my like my actual gold wedding ring. Um, it hasn't for quite some time. So I have an Enso uh, Star Wars ring. This is the first one that are not the first one that I got. This is the second one that I got. But the the first Star Wars one that I got, and it's, it's an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it's his lightsaber. Um, so I'm oh, currently wearing awesome. that I've got, I've got my starring Ewan McGregor t-shirt on from super yakki. I, I, which is one of my favorite sh- Actually, you know what? I'll just go ahead and say it is my absolute favorite t-shirt. Um, <laughs> both in terms of like what it is. Cause it just says starring Ewan McGregor in the star Wars, blue <laughs> font. Right. Um, so it's like such a subtle star Wars shirt. Uh, but then also like super Yaki. Oh my God. These t-shirts are so nice. Their t-shirts are such good quality. My God. I've got, I also, I just got the, um, introducing Kihan Kwe. I, I, from temple of doom. Cause they just recently did that shirt. That's uh, awesome. so I, I got the, I haven't worn it yet. Cause I actually, I'm saving it for the indie premiere for indie five. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's the second. And they're called that super yaki. Sorry. They're, they're called super super yaki. Yeah. Super like yeah. S U P E R Y A K
0: I super yeah and they're today's sponsor no <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are not a sponsor of the show i am just a happy customer uh, but i've awesome. got that on and i I, <clears throat> I i literally like i put these clothes on this morning like i put this i have a bunch of different rings to choose from every day and i put this ring on i put this t-shirt on and i was not thinking about the fact that we were recording tonight it, it was just, it was just a Monday and I just wanted to, to, you know, wear my Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. But then I, I do, I look around my office and uh, I've got Obi-Wan's on my desktop right now. I, I galactic uh, adventures or what galaxy of adventure. Um, mm, yeah. A screenshot from that of Obi-Wan invader on the death star. Uh, I've got, let's see, there's a, there's a Lego Obi-Wan. You remember when they did the action figures, like the Lego action figures for a little while there, I've got yeah, the Obi-Wan bit. there yeah the force effects lightsaber right behind him and then when i look up i've got the two obi-wans from the show of the um the mission fleet the the smaller figures that mm-hmm. they do i know exactly the little, what like cartoony like, yeah. ones um and then i've also got i've also got the uh the clone wars style obi-wan like i literally actually have all all of the obi-wans that they've done <laughs> for mission fleet um and then yeah i the disney store toy box obi-wan from from the series is next to him and then when that's i look great. over at, at the big case i've got the mythos obi-wan statue that is really like the basis for the show right um that uh that great mythos that they did that's sort of the the blend between alec guinness and ewan mcgregor and he's got the backpack that. with the with yes. the armor pieces on it and the goggles and and uh all the all the 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 kit and whatnot um it's i a remember beautiful, seeing
0: beautiful that it, yeah i remember seeing that at uh, star Wars celebration 2015 um when i uh met you in person and yeah. uh it was one of those uh items that i've always loved i've always appreciated and just never had the space or the money for <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah. looking around my room um all i have i have a force effects Obi one lightsaber um mm-hmm. since we're going down this path um but uh, i think that my Best thing that I have right now is a couple stills of uh, Clone Wars era Obi Wan Kenobi signed by James Arnold Taylor.
1: Oh, that's so, fantastic!
0: Yeah, because uh, we yeah. got to meet him um, and Ashley Eckstein at um, Star Wars weekends in 2014 over in Disney World, and um, that was remarkable. That was just amazing. So that's I don't have as quite as big a collection as you do, but uh, but again, more to the point, like you had went on a hiatus to yeah and i remember what you said and uh it was to basically you wanted to enjoy the show obi-wan mm-hmm. because you didn't want you want to get away from just all the discourse that was kind of happening in our community yeah. and uh i think that was wise it was a very jedi thing uh, for you to do and what an amazing what a perfect way to kind of retrospect you know a year later yeah. the show and without all the discourse without you know all the toxicity that came um, mm-hmm. and that all of it was negative uh, there's a lot of positives about the show but the you know I'd be remiss to say that you know there was of course there was some toxicity that happened and it's so great to kind of be beyond that now so um I'm really excited to get to, to speaking to you about this
1: yeah yeah I I, I had I posted on Instagram earlier today actually that like I not doing it at the time. Uh, it's like, oh, are we posting these a year later? Is this exactly when we were supposed to? Um, like, was this the plan all along? And, and the, the, the thing with that is that if I had done it at the time, <clears throat> I don't know, it probably would have been me and Joe and we would have done our usual sort of, you know, back and forth banter on the, on, on our reaction sort of thing to it. But, um, but now we get to go back and we get to watch it and we get to talk about it as a whole um knowing exactly where this goes. I mean this is this this will be I think my fourth or fifth time watching through the series. Um so like I I know the series pretty well. That said, starting it tonight and then and then sort of getting getting some of the the album artwork pre- prepped and stuff like that, going through images and stuff. I was like, "Oh, Oh yeah, that happens, and that that all happens in the first three episodes, huh? And then the fourth episode is uh, that's interesting. Like it, it's, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to cover. There's going to be a lot for us to talk about in these six episodes. Uh, It's uh, I and it's all, it's all, it's actually all very expertly connected. I think it's it. I think it works better as a complete piece than it does sort of in its individual parts, which is, mm-hmm. which is my um, sort of my, my broad view of it a year later uh, versus how I would think I reacted to it in the moment. Now, if you want to hear what I said, like literally day of like literally like before I even went to sleep that night, um, you can go listen to uh, uh, Marie Claire. Uh, and I talk about it on what the force um because i my first viewing of this episode was uh at star Wars celebration so i uh, oh, no. it's wow it, i yeah yeah like like at the premiere right like at the at like the official red carpet premiere which was part of star wars celebration which everybody who was at the 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 big panel that morning got to come back and go to it and i uh, I uh, yeah, um, that's awesome. So I mean, I watched this episode for the first time along with you know a few thousand other people uh, in the same room with Ewan and Hayden and uh, and m- 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 like a bunch more of the cast, right? So I I it's and 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 you know Deborah Chow and and uh, all sorts of other Star Wars celebrities. So. Just a few names um, to drop, right? Yeah, yeah, just kind of a kind of a big deal. Um, and earlier that day, we had gotten, you know, I, I mean, I I was, I was, I don't know, a hundred feet away, probably from uh, John Williams conducting an orchestra performing the Obi Wan Kenobi theme for the first time to the public. I, I, this was, and this was uh, moments. I can't remember before or after, I think it was after moments after Harrison Ford had been on stage to talk about Indy five. So, I, uh, yeah, I mean like that day, that day is a little bit of a blur. It's a little bit, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even really, I can't even really recount the experience, um, a year later because it was just like, Uh, what is happening (laughs) right they like all that stuff that was announced all of the stuff that we got to see we got to see mando season three like a a really great chunk of it got to see some andor got to see uh we got to see ahsoka in that panel um Mm -hmm. all this stuff that like that that the general public didn't get to see was only in that room right a couple of uh, uh images from skeleton crew even at the time um it was wild. It was a crazy day. Uh, and it was the first day of celebration. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, man, it was, it was crazy. So <clears throat> you can, you can, you can go and you can listen to me talk to Marie Claire at midnight that night <laughs> after we had seen, I think, cause I think we got to see the first two episodes, uh, right. That, they premiered the first two together. I believe so. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: That felt like it was a two-parter, uh, yeah. premiere. Yeah, and I you think know, that we you got know to what it was. The they had the two premiere, and then uh, I remember within like a calendar like week, within like seven days, we had gotten half the season on Disney Plus. Yeah. So it was like we got the first three episodes, and then we had to wait uh, every week for the following. Uh, yeah,
1: because it was a Wednesday show, wasn't it? So we, right. we had gotten it on Friday. We gotten the first two episodes on that. That That's Friday, right. although I th- I saw them on the Thursday, right? Um, right. Because that was the first day of celebration. So we saw them that Thursday night. By midnight, they were up for everybody. Um, and then I I actually no, I think they put them up early. I think they had put them up at like nine o'clock that night. Like yeah, right, that basically, sounds like like, yeah. like as soon as we were done watching them at celebration, they put them up. Um, and I. Uh, Yeah. And then, and then that following Wednesday, we got the third episode. You're right. Um, so yeah, it was just, um, it was, it was, it was huge. It it was, it was such a great moment. It was so so great to share that with a bunch of other star Wars fans. Um, like that was really special. I, uh, to the extent that, um, if you, if you watch the, uh, the behind the scenes, the, 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 the gallery the the Disney gallery making of obi-wan um there's a shot of the crowd and i'm in it uh, i i'm not clearly visible it's it's a it's from pretty far away right. but it's exactly like i know that it's me um, that's awesome and it's like i know because i'm like that's where i was sitting and like as i was watching the the special it was like like that's totally where I where where Amanda and I were sitting, and then my lightsaber ignites, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's me." <laughs> that, that was that's- me. That's my yellow lightsaber. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it, it, it like like it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I the the whole the whole experience, but it is one of those things of just like, man, what we what even was that day, um, because we got to we got to walk down the red carpet, and there were costumes and and stuff like that to take pictures with and uh, That's awesome. Yeah, and you and you and Hayden introducing the uh the the episodes uh, uh with Deborah Chow and yeah, it was it was it was pretty special. So that was my first viewing uh experience. What was what was it like for you a year ago? when you, when you saw this episode, these two episodes, uh, I mean, we're only going to talk about the first one. We're going to, we're going to, yeah, a full six episodes for this mini series. But, um, what was, what was your experience? You're just watching it at home, right?
0: I was watching it at home. Um, it's funny because, um, I I feel like that so much of my personal life has changed in the last year Mm -hmm. that, um, it actually took me a while. Like as you were talking about celebration and, just thinking back and how we were kind of just right now live on the air. uh, We were kind of like, is it, you know, was it a week? Was it one episode? Was it three episodes? Um, I was kind of remembering what we were going through uh, back then. And I saw it, you know, when it premiered, but uh, it was definitely in a different circumstance to where I'm at now. And uh, everything's, everything's good, but it's just one of those things where like watching it finally, because Obi-Wan, means the world to me and my and my family um my wife uh it's her favorite uh character as well um along with uh myself and it's just one of those things where we've been waiting you know in every incarnation a uh, possible incarnation of this uh uh story if it was going to be a movie a trilogy a series mm-hmm. uh, a single movie whatever it was going to be we've been patiently waiting like everyone else has. And when we finally got to that moment, it was just like, Hey, we're finally here and seeing him back, you know, cutting up the desert whale meat, you know, it was just like, there he is. It's back. It, and what's great is that, you know, I think a little bit of uh Ewan McGregor's uh, influence has, uh, you know, now it's kind of almost like taken over the kind of archetype of this character where mm-hmm. before it was, you know, Years ago, even before the Phantom Menace, it was Alleginness, of course, and he was the old wizard in the desert. And uh, what I mean by that is that you know when we get to ten years into the future, uh, he's been on this desert planet. He still looks like, I mean, yeah, you McGregor may look like he's hasn't you know showered, like you know that Jawas keeps telling <laughs> him, like, yeah, you stink, but he still looks so good, <laughs> you know, yeah. no real salt and pepper hair, you know, he still has the long locks, you know, just looking great and looking like Ewan McGregor. And uh, so of course that always, you know, makes the ha- you know, the wife happy, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but it's uh, kind of amazing, you know, the, the journey that this character has uh, gone and I always love how, you know, we always find uh, in our current mythology with star Wars where, you know, we fall in love with a character and then maybe they die this character has been around for where we're at almost 45 years now. Yeah. And, uh, he, he died in the first movie and there's still more stories coming out with him. Mm. And, uh, so we were basically just basking in that, uh, kind of, um, just the mythology of Obi-Wan and what this character means to us. And then in addition to, you know, that we also had, uh, actors like Joe Largent, uh, uh sorry joel edgerton uh returning and seeing him uh reprise the role and like what a what a slam dunk lucas did 20 years ago <laughs> where he cast this amazing actor in this relatively bit part i think he may have had like maybe like five or six lines in attack of the clones and had a one you know three shots and in, in, uh, revenge of the sith and what joel edgerton has become now you know and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, actor writer director just kind of amazing to see him you know grow and like all these actors just grow into the characters that we fell in love with and uh, and then also seeing these new characters uh which will i'm sure we're going to talk about but uh mm-hmm. for this first episode you know just getting back into that world and it definitely really truly felt like um even though you got the original trilogy you got the prequel trilogy this really felt like a true, truer sequel to the uh, prequel trilogy, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then you know we, what'd you think of, uh, I'll throw this to you, the uh, opening kind of intro where it kind of recaps the entire prequel trilogy. What'd you think when you first saw that, did that come up in uh, Star Wars celebration?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How did um, that feel in,
0: the, in the, the giant ballroom?
1: Oh, I mean, like, like, or was it the arena, I don't know. <laughs> It was the it was the arena. Yeah. I, oh well. Wow. I. The I mean the screen was massive. The screen was absolutely <laughs> massive. Um, and yeah, I mean like there were just there were cheers. It was, um, yeah, it was just like electric, right? Like like watching watching with that many other fans, um, and all reacting to it. I think it it uh, it, it heightened the entire thing. I'll tell you. <clears throat> watching it today in prep for this was the first time that I've watched it on my TV. Uh, because I it, like when I, the first time that I saw it was on that big screen. The second mm. time that I watched it was on my iPad. I, okay. During star Wars celebration. Like I think, I think I watched it like the next night or something like that. Um, and then I watched it again on the airplane. Um, and then I've watched it this first episode at least I've watched just like sort of off to the side on my on my monitor while I, while I'm working mm-hmm. but it occurred to me as I was sitting there um like from the third episode onward right I I watched all of them at home on my on my uh 70 inch uh, uh HDR screen right like like sort of uh, as as good a a viewing experience as you're gonna get in a house um a home theater setup I, I, but yeah, the first two episodes I've watched primarily like via sort of other, other methods, um, which is, which was really funny to, to, to like only now a year later realize like, oh, I've never sat and watched this on my TV, um, this first episode. Uh, but yeah, so, so like for me, it's like that, that experience of watching it you know with that massive crowd is is sort of the the thing that that sticks the most um i mean how could it not right like yeah it, that must have a, been amazing it's a, it's a pretty crazy way to watch it but uh but yeah that intro that intro is just so expertly cut um and just like gets through those three movies so perfectly and you're just like yeah let's go reminds yeah, like- you just how much you love this version of the character Mm. Um, which I think was important because I think like coming into it, coming into this, this portrayal, there was a need to go back and like refresh. This is, this is Ewan's approach to the character, right? Because as you said, you know, prior to Ewan playing the character, we really only got, you know, Obi-Wan in the first movie. And then he, he, he kind of makes these brief appearances in, in Empire and Jedi mostly to just, you know, apologize for all of the lying that he did in the first movie. Um justify things. I I and tell Luke not to do stuff. Don't um, do this. All right, yeah, you do it. Bit of a wet blanket, <laughs> but um so he's like the Alec Guinness portrayal is really not that much screen time. And then you know, but in in the interim we have gotten I don't know hundreds of hours of James Arnold Taylor between between the Gendi Clone Wars I uh, is that's James right Yes yeah. it is it was his first job Yeah um, his, uh, first job yeah, as Obi Wan. Sorry, was his first actual job. Yeah, and then and then I mean, like James is is Obi Wan's voice in the video games. uh I you know whether it's there was a Clone Wars video game, not a lot of people remember it. I, I think, love that game, but, but there was a, a yeah, like it <laughs> I know exactly you're one about right. Yeah. um and then I think I think he's also the voice of Obi Wan in the Galactic Battlegrounds video game, which is the RTS, and like there are just there are hundreds of hours of james portraying this character and it was during that period during clone wars that it really reinforced for me how much i love the character of obi-wan kenobi right from the beginning of that first movie right when uh when i can't remember the character's name but the guy calls him the negotiator and you're like yeah like and that's that comes from one of the books that comes from the cestus deception right um, that his nickname was the negotiator. Uh, right. I, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So there was just like, there was all of this time for us to fall in love with that character, but so much of it was fall deeper in love. I should say, cause I've, I've been in love with Ewan's Obi-Wan since attack of the clones. Um, the phantom menace doesn't really give him that much to do. Right. And it's only kind of in retrospect that you go, okay, he's doing pretty good stuff but uh oh, so yeah, but- i loved him in phantom
0: menace to be honest oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well uh well and then and then again my wife influences me as well too sometimes yeah. but uh that was where i think she had her first childhood like real crush too of course yeah, yeah, yeah. you know clean shaven you know he was young and everything but um i mean that you know as a young man the just the darth maul fight and just that one shot yeah. where you know that that wide shot with the two of them and it's the two actually two actors actually doing it it was just very informative you know when you're like 12 13 years old but uh totally but i see what you're talking about with that hack of clones because he actually went off on his own adventure
1: yeah yeah um but yeah it was really clone wars for me that like that solidified it as like obi-wan is one of my favorite characters um and then and then sort of over time it's like no obi-wan is my favorite character no obi-wan's like my favorite character in pretty much everything um I would like to say that it's like that 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 it's I sort of have a like my own personal trinity of characters, and it's it's Obi Wan, Superman, and Iron Man. I I yep. watch the the funny thing is that like the Iron Man thing, Tony Stark is only since two thousand eight, right? But um, but those three characters have become like super important to me in the way that. I just like live my life and, and they sort of represent three eras of my life because there's sort of the, the Superman from when I was a little kid um, all the way through, right. I uh, through till Smallville. I, I, but mm-hmm. then like sort of that same era is when Obi-Wan kind of comes in and he carries me through to the clone wars uh, mm-hmm. Like that's sort of my Star Wars era, and then and then sort of later on, because not immediately when Iron Man comes out, but like as we get into like the Avengers and stuff, is like I really started to identify as an adult with that with that Iron Man character. So I kind of like I kind of look at those three characters as as these three sort of phases of my life, and I I. And then this show comes along before we get too deep into it. I just want to, I just want to give some, some of the, 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 the stats for the episode. Yes, please. So, um, so this first episode, the episodes don't have titles. They're just part one through six. Uh, so part one, uh, which aired May 27th, 2022. Uh, and we are currently talking about this on May 29th. So we're technically two days late and you guys will be listening to this on the 30th, but, um, but, hey, we're already a year late, so, you know, it's a couple more days. <laughs> uh, directed by Deborah Chow, and uh, the, the writers credited on this one are Joby Harold, uh, Hossein Amini, and Stuart Petey. Um, And, of course, it is starring Ewan McGregor. Uh, amongst others, amongst others, I mean, uh, let's just shout out uh, uh, Moses Ingram in an amazing debut performance. Uh, as you mentioned, Joel, Joel Edgerton. Uh, uh, in this episode, you know we've also got uh, Sun Kang uh, as the fifth brother and Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor, and of course, introducing uh, our our new Leia, uh, Vivian Lyra Blair uh, in in a performance that just like absolutely steals the entire thing. I mean, like going into an Obi Wan Kenobi series, I. Uh, this was the last thing that I think anybody expected. And yet I like what, like what an amazing gift. This is my biggest takeaway. And anytime I hear anybody say anything negative about this show, this is what I always go back to is we thought, we all thought we knew what we wanted an Obi-Wan Kenobi show to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I think that we all figured we had this pegged, From the beginning, it's like, oh, you know, he's going to be in hiding. And then the Inquisitors are going to find him. They're going to draw him out. And then eventually he's going to have another confrontation with Vader. I don't know how that's going to last six episodes, though. And then you're sitting and you're watching this episode. And we get all of this introductory stuff. These Inquisitors, and they're hunting this Jedi. And it's not Obi-Wan. It's a different Jedi. uh, Benny Safdie's character, Nari. Um, And uh, I... You know, Obi Wan's this, you know, uh, uh, hermit, and he's reluctant, and he's he will not be a hero because he's got to protect Luke. And then we get this, like it's not a smash cut, and yet, like when I watch it, it always it's like it's always this jolt of like, hey, we're on Alderaan. Yeah, and I remember, I remember that night in that that uh oh, arena I only auditorium oh, how sitting next to amanda and turning to her like the second that we saw alderaan before it even revealed the the it, the girl who is not the, the the you know the red herring yeah this girl getting dressed up as leia i turned to amanda and i went well how, well what other reason are you going to give them to leave tatooine Right, because we knew that he would leave Tatooine. Like we knew that that was going to be a part of it, because we knew we'd seen Dayu and and um, uh, we'd kind of been given these hints, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I just turned to Amanda and I was like, "Well, like, what other reason could there possibly be to leave Luke than to have to rescue Leia?" Like it just it like the the second that we saw Alderaan, it all became so incredibly clear to me but it wasn't until we started to get a little bit of the performance from Vivian Lyra Blair that I was like my God this is this is one of the most special stories that we've gotten in Star Wars um now I'm gonna I'm also gonna gonna sort of add to that that this is this is directed specifically at me you know like this uh, like like but this is one of the joys of the show is that it's like they they made this star wars show they made this obi-wan kenobi show for me right and i know that there are a lot of other fans that that also applies to but like this was so specifically targeted to the degree that like i i kid you not like massive star wars fans and casual Star Wars fans alike. Anybody who's spent any amount of time. With Kara. My 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 uh, <laughs> older daughter. I have a guy, I have two right. Kara is six and Cassie is three. Sorry six and a half. And three and a half. They'd be very upset if I said six and three. <coughs> Sorry if I got away with that. <coughs> well, I was doing pretty good. Out. I was doing pretty good. But uh, <laughs> I am. getting. I'm just getting over a sinus thing. So. I apologize for that. But um, anybody who spent any amount of time with Kara has said to me after watching this show or like really while it was airing, I was like, that's like, that's her. Like, that's your daughter. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to disagree because, you know, I, I, I hope that Kara has a little bit of Princess Leia in her. Um, but it being an adventure, Obi-Wan and Leia, I, I was just like, like the end, this, this, this portrayal, this interpretation of Leia is like, Oh my God. Like this is, this is very, very specifically for me who identifies as Obi-Wan Kenobi a lot of the time. And, uh, uh, me going on, uh, my stupid adventures with, uh, with my, <laughs> my, uh, sassy goofball daughter. Um, yeah, it just felt, it just felt like, a bullseye was painted directly on my heart and, and, uh, and they nailed it. Like it just, I, I don't know. it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very difficult thing for me to describe. Um, there are a lot you're of talking
0: about though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because like you have this feeling that, you know, like, did someone write this for me? And I, I, I felt <laughs> yeah. that a couple of times in, uh, um where you know like in media and whatnot where you like say you say you're watching a movie that you really like and then like maybe oh like you know what if in the sequel x y and z happen and then like yeah. maybe uh years later x y and z actually do happen I'm like hey is my finger on the pulse or something but on this level it's like almost like supernatural because it involves your daughter so i could understand mm-hmm.
1: that yeah yeah it's it's it, it, it's it's pretty wild so um yeah. Do you want, do you want to get into Like, let's sort of, we're not going to fully recap the episode, but okay.
0: let's
1: kind of go, kind of go with the major beats. Right. Um, we've talked start a little the
0: very beginning or yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Uh... We'll
1: start at the very beginning. Uh, so we, we, we have not cause we've talked a lot about Obi-Wan. We've talked a little bit about Leia and we haven't really talked that much about the Inquisitors, which are a very, very big part of the story. Um, yes. Riva in, in particular, uh, the, the third sister yeah, third sister. Third sister, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and again, a debut performance from Moses Ingram. Um, this is her first major on-screen role. Yes. and I, uh, I, I mean, like again, you want to talk about somebody stealing the show? Like coming into a series about Obi-Wan Kenobi, you would you would really think that he would be the main focus for someone like me, and yet it's really like Riva's story and Leia's story. And actually the way that they that they reflect one another is 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 the heart of the story for me. Obi-Wan obviously has an arc and, and goes on his own journey through this. But it's almost um his his inaction is uh, uh his stagnation is broken by these two incredible forces that come into his life at the same time, right? These two these two women that pull him in different directions, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, like like to have somebody come into Star Wars and it be their first major on screen role, and to stand toe to toe with I uh, with these these like monolithic characters i mean obi-wan is not simply obi-wan right like obi-wan is a character that means something in pop culture he means something uh mythologically to us uh, like he's like that character is deeper and and broader than just the role that he plays in the films that he's in or the TV shows or any of that stuff. Right. Like, like he's a, he's a deep and meaningful character. And then on the other side of, of, of Riva is Vader, who is exactly the same thing. Right. I mean, like, like Obi-Wan and Vader are these, these opposite sides of the same argument. Um, uh, And, and both hold this, this incredible weight in our, in our popular culture and in, in uh, modern myth and all of that. I mean like they're, like they're just such important characters and for her to come in and just play in that sandbox and actually like hold her own. I, I don't know. I, 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 I am so surprised that she has not been cast in a million things since then. Um, And I am curious, I am curious, like, you know, sort of what she's got, coming up and that sort of thing but uh yeah like <clears throat> like just a, like such a such an amazing performance from the get-go um alongside Rupert Friend as uh as um the Grand Inquisitor
0: yeah um, the, Uh would you you, you want to talk about the Inquisitors I mean I know you're talking about uh Riva in particular um yeah. um yeah, the uh, I, I can't uh, agree more about uh, Moses. Um, I think she had a like a banger of a first episode. Um, yeah. My favorite scene with her is uh, where she goes toe to toe with uh, Owen um, out on the market, yeah. Yeah. and uh, she's just threatening everyone. And she, you know, she is threatening everyone, and you just fear for everyone. And even though you know that Owen will at least survive this day, hmm. that you still fear for what could happen or what could possibly happen because of her performance. And, uh, I never understood what was, you know, the the backlash with her, if we wanted to talk about that slightly, but I mean, um, honestly, like, yeah, I I don't care. I mean, the, 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 (laughs) the
1: backlash is very simple, right? You've got, you have two factors here with this character that are immediately going to in the current climate that we're in, and I hope that this changes over the next few years, but who knows, but the current climate that we're in, she is a black woman. And so uh, like is, is therefore a target um, for a certain subset of people. Certainly I I would hope no one listening to this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast and you were one of those people, you can kindly turn it off. We don't need your downloads. Uh, See you later. Um, Uh yeah, because like, like racism, I think is number one. And then, and then, you know, a a nice heaping helping of misogyny, uh, for number two on the backlash to this character, because like, listen, (laughs) that scene that you're talking about exactly, she comes in and I, I, she is scary in a way that Vader isn't scary so Vader's scary in a way of like, of he is imposing, he's threatening. Um, You understand how dangerous he is because of the way that he looks and the way that he moves and the way that he talks. Right. But with and Reva, breeze, yeah. Sounds, yeah. Exactly. With Reva, she's like a, she's like a caged animal. Um, There's an unpredictability to it. That's, that's even more dangerous. Right. That, that is just like, terrifying because Vader is scary in this very controlled very powerful way right uh-huh. um and there's nothing you can do about it so you just have to like kind of succumb to 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 that that fear with that character with Riva um sh- like there's an instability to the performance and the thing that I love the most about it is the way that Sun Kang as the fifth brother, plays off of that um and there's uh-huh. there are all these great reaction shots of him i i unsure of how to deal with the situation <laughs> right and then <laughs> sort of like coming to realizations of like like uh sort of physicality and intimidation is the only it's the only thing that he's got against her um is that is that he is he is literally a more physically imposing presence. So he uses that. Um, The other aspect of it on this rewatch that, that I think I took note of more than anything is the fact that these characters are actually Jedi. They're not Sith. The inquisitors are all Jedi that have been turned post uh, or 66. Right. So, right. um, They all actually have these tendencies. All of this stuff that the inquisitor the grand inquisitor is talking about of the like itch that they can't scratch that they need to scratch i that is actually underneath all of the inquisitor's performances as well they're not they're not pure evil in the way that darth maul or Dooku or uh, uh, Palpatine or Vader are right. Like, like where they've completely succumbed to the dark side and like given themselves over and, and in exchange been given this incredible amount of power, which has made them even more evil. Right. Um, right. Like that corruption is complete and full with the inquisitors. <coughs> there's, it's really interesting how consistent it has been with the inquisitors. There's a there's a betrayal with every single one of them in their stories. There's a betrayal that leads to the dark side, and sometimes it's a perceived betrayal in the instance of of Riva, and we'll talk about that as we get further on into the series. But we don't really know the fifth brother's backstory. Uh, uh, we don't really know like how he became an, an inquisitor. You know, sort of what his tragedy is. Mm. And yet, <clears throat> there are moments in Sun Kang's performance in this episode where we really get these glimpses of, you know, she's she's ready to just kill Owen, and he stops her. A, because he's following orders, so there's a bit of a fear of the Grand Inquisitor, certainly a fear of Vader, um, you know, and not, not overstepping their mandate, right? Um, uh, which <laughs> is a very Jedi ethos. Uh, But there's also, there is also a flicker, the faintest flicker of compassion in that character Uh, in that, like when, when she cuts off the woman's hand, there's a moment of like, he is, he is upset by that because it's cruel. It's un it's unnecessarily cruel and that's not his MO. It's not how he does things it's certainly how Riva does things, but he, uh, yeah, like, like he, he has, he has these visceral reactions when she gets out of control. Um, and, 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 and I look at that and I go like, that's the Jedi. Like that's, that's not, that's not the inquisitor. That's not the dark Jedi. Like that's the good Jedi underneath the surface trying right. to, uh, to, to take over. Um, which I, I, I really like that aspect of basically every inquisitor that we've got, right. Cause
0: the they all have these, yeah. these,
1: these backstories we learn as we go through of like, Oh, it turns out that, you know, like, like we, we can understand, we can relate to why they become inquisitors. Um, so yeah. I just I really I I really love that about about those two characters. I I think that that the fifth brother in this is actually one of the most underrated characters, underrated performances because it's very subtle. It's all subtext. There's nothing because it's not his story, right? It's it this story is about four characters. It's about Obi-Wan and Anakin primarily. Um and then it's about Leia and then it's about about Reva, right? Reva, yeah i i but there are these other characters in the background of this show like the fifth brother like the grand inquisitor like i uh oh my god we get so much of breha organa in this show uh which is fantastic um yes. and I uh, i you know later on uh we get indira varma's character i can't remember her character's name off the top of my head right now but um her character is such a great character. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, Tala. Tala. Thank you. Um, and, and again, we will talk at length when we get to the third episode. I have a lot to say, but, I, I, uh, third and fourth episode, but, um, yeah, like, like the, there's, a there are a lot of these other characters in the background that just have these, like, you can tell that they, they even though it's not in the script, it's not in the story, it's not their story that they have done the work and figured out what's going on behind this character. Why are they doing what they're doing? What's the motivation here? How did they get to this place? And, uh, I, I, for me, that's the richness of this particular story. First episode does such a great job of setting that up. Um, We have we're, we're kind of all over the place right uh let's no let's, let's... Though, but, but, but
0: but you did bring up a really good point though and uh <laughs> yeah. i uh i've i've thought about it a couple times and you know we, we we know it from watching rebels jedi fallen order that the like what you said the inquisitors aren't really they're they're dark side users mm-hmm. but i mean if i remember correctly um have we ever seen anyone if we want to go like really down in the weeds of it have we ever really seen any of them like use like sith lightning or anything i don't really think so it's no all just force powers and a red lightsaber uh double-bladed uh you know saber so they're you know for lack of a better term they're just dark side posers that are just doing the bidding of vader and palpatine mostly vader though and you bring up a really good point though because it's these guys aren't you have they have that compassion they have uh, that fear uh that, i mean the dark side users already have that fear already but it's way more on display and it's more of um i've always liked the example of when uh it's like a behind the scenes story of when uh sam witwer was auditioning for star killer in force unleashed where when he would um i guess the audition uh, made him try to build a lightsaber and the when uh he was building this lightsaber it was like he was using the force and he was very, very like just very angry and just flexing and just, you know, using all his energy to, you know, make this lightsaber. And uh, they kept asking him like over and over after multiple takes asking like, why are you doing it that way? He's like, well, he's uh, he was taught by Vader. He doesn't know how to actually use the force properly by just Mm -hmm. calming down and relaxing. It's almost like this is the opposite almost a little bit of like Ben Solo where it's like, these are guys uh, that use the dark side of the force, but they are trying to like stay angry, stay uh, on that side. And it's almost like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to chop this woman's hand off. Okay. I'm angry. I'm dark side. You know, like it's that kind Mm -hmm. of energy and it's unhinged. It's like a caged animal that is loose and, Uh, the fifth brother just is trying to get that leash back on her, no. So, um, yeah, no, it's a very good point. And I think it, uh, was lost on many for sure. Yeah. I
1: mean, people didn't want to see it, right? Like those, those particular people didn't want to see it. So, um, yeah. And, and I think one of the problems with the Disney plus star Wars era is that you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of eyes on it. Right. I think there is a funny thing having covered clone wars for so long (coughs) and then star wars rebels even more so and then to an even greater extent resistance i i and and i would say even bad batch as well um the accessibility of those shows was was much lower because they are animated because um you know uh, Clone Wars was on Cartoon Network, so you know not everybody's going to Cartoon Network to to watch stuff. Rebels was on Disney XD, which is even more off the beaten path than uh, yeah, than way more obscure than than that. And then and then rather than continue the Star Wars stuff on Disney XD, they they hid uh, Resistance on Disney Channel, and like so, you like you really didn't have that many people watching those shows. It was just the uh, the diehards, right, um, and and kids, right. So you end up you end up with the discourse around those shows being much more like kids saying that they love Star Wars, fantastic, no no argue, no no problems there, no issues, and then adult fans that want to dig into the stuff that want to, to be there and, and, and be a part of, you know, the positive discourse, not toxically positive, but like that, but you know, like looking for the good stuff. Right. Um, So I think, so I think that those shows, I mean, rebels had a lot of detractors, but those people just didn't watch the show. So they weren't talking about it. Right. Like at a certain right. point after the first few episodes, they just like that just died down and it was just those of us who loved it talking about it. With a smattering of of dummies, uh, saying bad stuff about it, but I, I, but with this stuff, with with <clears throat> with the Mandalorian, with Book of Boba Fett, with Obi Wan Andor, and I'm sure that Ahsoka will be no different. I, you've got the general public, uh, casual Star Wars fans coming into it that aren't as well versed they haven't played jedi fallen order they don't know anything about the grand inquisitor from star wars rebels they don't know anything yeah. about the seventh sister they've they, they this is the first time they're encountering the grand inquisitor and the fifth brother even though these characters have at this point that the show premieres they've been around for five or six years right yeah like, several
0: years for sure
1: um Like, and, and appeared in, in multiple pieces of media across the, you know, different, different things, you know, like all sorts of stories with these characters. I, I, and yet like these people are being introduced to, so many people are being introduced to the idea of an inquisitor in this show. Mm -hmm. I think, I think maybe perhaps the show takes that for granted a little bit, Uh, not takes that for granted, but, but takes for granted us, the, the fans who've been there. I, I, since the beginning of the Star Wars, uh, the Disney Star Wars era, watching all of this content, um, and, and those of us who are very well versed in what an Inquisitor is, um, so those those who were not, I think, like they look at it and they go, like, "Oh, so these guys are Sith," and it's like, "Well, they're not Sith." That's the thing is that it's it's like there are only two Sith, right? <coughs> so you know, we gotta, we gotta. Sorry, we have to. <laughs> to to we have to do that work up front, a lot more work up front, in order to explain who these characters are and what they're about. I think Wait. the show f- did for the general audience fail to do that. Uh, if I if I like if I can give it sort of the one criticism, I think it takes too long to get into what an inquisitor is, how. How this character, because for, again, for those of us who, who get it, who know it, when we get this for the first scene in the, sh- in the show of order 66 and we get these kids, these, these, these Padawans, uh, younglings, uh, trying to survive order 66. And we get this girl saying like, Oh, you know, we run, I uh, that's what she says. Right. I think so.
0: Um, we run. Yeah.
1: Which is obviously meant to be Riva. Right i I actually those I don't like,
0: think Riva's the one that speaks actually she's just there and it's yeah, it's a boy that says something, and then I think it's another girl that uh uh okay. says uh, we run and Riva's just there, yeah, yeah, um reacting to everything you, you see the horror on her face and everything um, but, um yeah,
1: but we as like the the Star Wars audience that, that, that has this this past experience. I'm I'm trying really hard to stay away from the idea of like like us like the hardcore true Star Wars fans. That's not what it is, right? There are like you you can be a hardcore Star Wars fan and not have watched the animated stuff. That's fine, right? Um, I think that you're missing out. I'll say that. Like that to me, the animated stuff is is I mean Star Wars Rebels is hands down the best Star Wars since Disney took over. That's just it just is. Um, and you know, there's a lot of episodes of the show and, you know, as with any TV show, it's going to be up and down when you've got that much content. But overall, that story is the only thing to me that comes anywhere near the original trilogy, right? Like it's the only thing. Obi-Wan gets pretty close to, to the heights of the prequel trilogy. Um, and then sort of nips at the heels of, of the, the original trilogy, but, uh, <clears throat> but it's kind of its own thing.
0: Do you think it was wise for them to start uh, with the Inquisitors in this first scene? Um, well, that,
1: that's sort of my thing, right? Is that like we know, because we have all this background information on Inquisitors and where they come from. We've played Jedi Fallen Order and we've watched Rebels and read comic books and stuff. To look at it and go like, mm, okay, so this is this is the beginning of of Riva's fall to the dark side. Order 66 mm. is... is you know, she was there in the temple. This is this is how this starts, um, and so then when we cut to the next scene and we get the inquisitors walking down this ramp, it's like, okay, there they are, right? Um, and we we draw that connection. I don't know that the general audience draws that connection because they just don't they just don't have that understanding of who these characters are. And the problem here is that you know it's a six hour series essentially. I think it's just shy of that, right? But it's a let's just refer to it as a six-part, six-hour series. Um, not a lot of people are going to go back and rewatch it, and I think that like these these early scenes with Riva and and the Inquisitors, they really have a lot more impact after you've watched the whole thing. You go back. There's a bunch of things that that Riva says to Owen, of like, like you know, like sort of like next time or it's like. I love it. She says at one point, do you think you could defend your family from me? Like, she's, like mm. I, which is great foreshadowing for the fact that at the end of the series, that is exactly what he will do. Right. Um, I, I mean, like, I think that Baru does the lion's share of the work on that one, but
0: yeah, she but, got a little, uh, got a little bit of action on that one, but, but they um, will have
1: a confrontation at the end of this, of the season. Right. So
0: yeah.
1: it's, uh <laughs> um, Sorry, uh, it's 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 like there's a lot of stuff that's like groundwork that's laid here that you know isn't apparent, I think, to the average viewer, um, at the outset. But that that upon yeah. rewatching, even I think even for us, upon rewatching, there's so many there's so many more layers and there's so much more depth to it. Um, but, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, I don't, I don't know if it was the, if it was the, the best execution, but at the same time, um, how much of your six hours are you going to spend on explaining who and what the inquisitors are? Um, I think we do, uh, we do get uh, quite a bit, but, but, but it's just, it's, it's buried deeper in the series. It's like the third and fourth episode. Right. And so for a lot of people. They might've checked out by then.
0: Right. I think personally, like just to have a, just a visual, cause I'm always a fan of uh, just the visual storytelling and mm-hmm. uh, um, going back to like, I think we've talked about this a little bit privately, but uh, just about the, the overall just budget of the show. We uh, could kind of tell that this is one of those things where it may have gotten a little short changed I, I feel like just kind of talking about it with you, like imagine if, the first thing that we see you could keep the scene exactly the way it is because i mean it is said in the dialogue um between him and the bar owner like you know you guys hunt jedi blah, blah blah so it kind of established that for the general audience yeah but to even further establish that these guys aren't necessarily sith but they're more leaning on the imperial side just have a battalion of stormtroopers come out first you know to like back the crowd up and uh maybe they just couldn't have stormtroopers then maybe that just wasn't part of their you know plan budget and everything but it is kind of stark when you see just this giant ship and just the three figures come out and there are imposing but i don't know just these are like little subtle things where it kind of reinforces that this is not just a random faction of dark side users this is imperial and um i don't know um if that would have kind of come across a little bit farther uh, maybe uh, earlier, not, not necessarily earlier, scene in um, in the series of uh, just them and the and Vader and maybe them training something to just kind of further reinforce like these guys hunt Jedi and um, and they do that to a certain extent by the end of this episode they do hunt a Jedi they are and what's kind of great is that they kind of lean into the audience expectation that oh they're hunting Obi Wan well, not necessarily Riva is wants the, the big game, but they're actually, there is another Jedi out there. Um, and, uh, they're going after him and he's, um uh, kind of like the red herring, I guess. Um, but they're going after him and they're, you know, what? I just I lost my point. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But, it's all good. but you know what I'm talking about where they're just, uh, they're, nah, I lost it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good.
1: Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's, 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 it's interesting. They, they, they kind of cut to the chase a little bit. They get right into it, and and they do a lot of the, the, um, the setup as they go. Uh. But, but I do think I. Th- this is the thing they wanted to save Vader for the end of the second episode. They wanted yeah. to save the purge troopers for when we go to the Inquisitorius, right to the to the castle uh-huh. Inquisitorius. So. Like or Fortress Inquisitoria, sorry. I and I think like though there were decisions like that that were made for impact for for us that I, that I think you know like like that I think is a better story. But I think that as somebody who has this global view of we should say galactic view of Star Wars. Um, And has, and has this working knowledge of it throughout the eras and, and like general, general knowledge of, of, of of essentially every aspect of it. Right. So, and, and, and along with quite a lot of specific knowledge um, on things like Inquisitors. Right. So, it works for us. I think it worked really well for me. These are things that like, again, the, the, the purpose of us talking about it now a year later is this is the retrospective, right? We're kind of we're looking at it as a whole and yeah. trying to, to, to sort of see, you know, uh, with, with the way that people reacted to it, like sort of what was going on there. And I, and I do think like that, I think that that is a big part of it. Um, is that, is that, when you're asking questions about who are these characters, why are they doing what they're doing, then you're missing, you're missing the great things about the performance. And, and, and this is all, this all sort of stemmed from us talking about, you know, sort of, you know, there was the obvious racist and misogynistic backlash, but then there were a lot of general reactions of like, I don't know that I care for this Reva character. Like, why am I supposed to care about her? And it's like, well, because she's a, she's an inquisitor and, and, you know, and then people are going like, so what, what does that mean? So what, who cares? Um, and I, and I just think that like, like, you know, had they not saved the Vader reveal for the end of the second episode, which I, which to me is like such a, it's like a, okay, yeah, cool. You saved that. And it's great. It's a great moment of like the eyes in the tank. Right. I, yeah. I, and we'll talk about that in the next episode, but, um, I, and maybe you could have done it with even without Vader, you could have done it with a different character. You could have done it with uh with 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 a uh, uh, you know a a, a moth or something like that um saying, you know the, like like before they land before the 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 thing opens, um a hologram explaining what they're there for. We've gotten reports of a jedi on Tatooine that you know uh, in a in a small outpost sort of thing and then. Um, give us even, give, build even a little bit more tension of like, are they after Obi-Wan? Because I also think that one of the, one of the things, they break that tension way too quickly that, that we see that it's not Obi-Wan that they're talking about. Um, I mean, like, I I think, I also think it's important that we like, we establish that and then we cut to Obi-Wan. We see him cutting up the fish and then the guy's like, well, this is only half of the pay. Uh, I've got a family and, and then, you know, Obi-Wan kind of gives this big guy a look. He's like, you got something to say and Obi-Wan backs down. And we like, it's, it is that it is important for us in that moment to have had the moment previous with Nari where he can't help it. He has to scratch that itch. But then we see Obi-Wan is resisting that urge. He is staying hidden. Um mm-hmm in order to establish just how far he's fallen from his path. Um Because that's going to be the journey is him getting back to it. Um But yeah, it, it, it you know, I, I don't know that again, and this is all, this is a year later and this is a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking a year later uh, on, you know, though they could have done this, they could have done that. But, but I do think that for the general audience, I think that there was those certain aspects that could have just, set up those antagonists a little bit better, established who the Inquisitors were for a general audience. And then, you know, maybe we wouldn't have had quite as much of the sort of the tepid response to them. Um, there's also it's also it is also unclear because the Grand Inquisitor is involved. And I I I, I wonder if having him in these opening scenes did a disservice to establishing riva's character because he kind of steals a little bit of the thunder being that he's the grand inquisitor um and that might have again like they might have been going for a different perspective of like well everybody's gonna think that this guy's the guy and then we're gonna switch it out but then the marketing made it very clear right the marketing made it made it super clear okay he's not going to be in this very much it's going to be her It's her, Obi Wan, and Vader. Like it's sort of it's it's their story, and of course they were keeping hidden the fact that Leia was was going to be a massive part of the show. So, um, like it's really those those four characters that it's about. So, yeah, it's it's a it's interesting. I don't know. We've talked we have talked at this point a lot about the Inquisitors. Um, so so I think I think maybe we'll cut the Inquisitor chat there. We haven't done a very good job of like recapping the episode, but we have talked about (laughs) a lot of it.
0: Um, Yeah, totally. Um you want to talk about, have we talked about a little bit of Leia. Um, yeah. I, th- I think
1: we can talk about Alderaan a little bit and getting to see more of that. This is obviously the most that we've ever seen of Alderaan on screen is in this show. Mm. And I, uh, I, it is also, I think the most important time that we've gotten to spend with bail. Um, and it is really the only time we've ever gotten to spend with Breha, Organa, Leia's mother. Um, and uh, and and what an important character she is in the life of that one of the central characters of the entire saga, one of the Skywalkers, right? Um, For sure. I love what they do with Leia in this. I mean, like I, it, is, it is pitch perfect. Uh, Vivian Lyra Blair is just—I don't know. It's she's just magic. Like it's the fact that she, at this age is able to portray this character with such pinpoint accuracy. Um, it is as if Carrie is just like giving her notes. This is what you're going to do. That's just, it, 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 I mean, I think Carrie Fisher was such a like singular personality. I, 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 I don't know if you ever had the, 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 the fortune and pleasure of seeing her in person, but I did multiple times. Uh, and, and she like just being in the same room as her was always an amazing experience. Like always, always, even though like, it's so funny because, um, I saw her in 2010 at star Wars celebration. And then again in 2012 at star Wars celebration. And I think in between or either either in between or shortly after, um, at a fan expo here in Vancouver. And I, I, she tells all the same stories and she makes Mm -hmm. all the same jokes at these things, right? Like at all three of these appearances that I saw her, um, and that's what she did. She had she had her shtick, and she was she was rehearsed and 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 very good at it. Um, and yet, like it didn't it it never mattered. Like every time she told the joke, you laughed like it was the first time you heard it, sort of thing. I, she just she just had that about her. It was it was incredible, and so to see. This kid show up and like from scene one, the 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 sass, the back talk, the whole the whole nine yards. I mean, the scene where she eviscerates her cousin is just like, <laughs> if you're not convinced at that point, you're not going to be convinced. Just turn it off and walk away. Don't bother. Don't bother watching this show. Because to me, I watched that. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like how did they? And this is the here. Here's the here's the thing. I was familiar with this actress already. I was already uh, familiar with Vivian Lear Blair from, uh, from, uh, the the movie. I think it's called We Can Be Heroes. It's a uh, I hmm. think it's a Robert Rodriguez. I don't remember if he directed it or if he just produced it. But I uh,
0: I oh he directed it. Yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah. He's so
1: she she played Guppy the. uh, the, the daughter of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Uh, and, and I remember, because that was like, that was 2020. That was like mid-pandemic. Like, we're not going to the movie theaters. We're trying to keep these kids entertained. I remember watching it with the girls uh, and with Crystal. And Crystal and I being like, this little girl is amazing. Like, the rest of this movie is kind of meh, whatever. I could care less. But this kid is, like, pure magic. Like, she should be in everything. Like, if you need a kid for something, put her in it. So when she shows up as Leia in Obi-Wan, I was just like, oh, my God. I can't, like, and, and for her to just nail the character, it was just, um, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it is so special. It is such a gift, as I said earlier. And, and the fact that there are people that look at it and go, eh, or don't like it. I just can't fathom it. I can't understand it. Like it's, it is one of those things. And I've said this a lot over the years, but this is, this is maybe the number one thing. If you tell me that you did not like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, cause you didn't like little Leia, then I turn and I go, I don't know. Maybe you just don't like star Wars. Maybe you think that you like star Wars. Or maybe you liked a Star Wars movie at one point. But if you don't vibe with this kid in this role in this story, I I think it's I think it's time to to accept that maybe you don't like Star Wars. I said that a lot during Star Wars Rebels. You go back to those those Rebels podcast episodes. I said that a lot to people of like, you don't like this? I hate to break it to you. I don't think you're a Star Wars fan not like not like yeah. oh you're not allowed to be it's like no like 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 actually actually i think that you don't like star wars i think that you maybe like the three movies that for a long time were star wars but now are just a part of star wars right star wars is this massive thing now and i uh, and, and it is the original trilogy. It is the prequel trilogy. It is the sequel trilogy, but it's not any one of those things. It's all three of those things together. And it's also the clone wars and it's also star Wars rebels. And it's also, uh, uh, star Wars visions. And like, <clears throat> to me, I, like, that's one of the things and visions coming out. Um, season two just, just came out. Like, this is one of the things for me with those, with star Wars visions, it reinforces that belief for me. Because those stories are non-canonical, right? Um, they don't necessarily fit anywhere in the timeline. Many of them make no sense if you want to try and like logically fit them into Star Wars. But they... All of them, even though not all of them vibe with me, not all of them are exactly my cup of tea or something that I want to watch. Um, especially in this, in this second batch, season two. Like, it just there's a bunch of them that like they're just not really my thing. They're very well done, but they're not really my thing. Um they are absolutely 100% Star Wars because Star Wars is is a very big broad brush now. I've talked a lot over the last year about Andor and me going like, you know, it's missing these certain aspects and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, it is Star Wars. It's still Star Wars. I mean, yeah. I think that it's I feel personally that it's Blade Runner with a Star Wars skin painted over it um which is all it takes because Blade Runner and Star Wars are not that far apart but but um but it's still Star Wars right like it still falls under it and if you're a fan of that stuff if you're not a fan of Andor I would equally say I don't know if you're a fan of Star Wars I don't like (laughs) because like this political stuff this is Star Wars since the prequels this is Star Wars and if you don't like it uh i don't know man i think there are other franchises out there that you might enjoy more you know fast and furious is right there <laughs> you know just go watch that um that's not a knock <laughs> i am one of the biggest fast fans you'll you'll find so i i yeah i mean like but it
0: is what it is but it is what it is. That, it is what it is it's exactly. that genre of like just like Hey, wouldn't it be cool if a car did dot, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry um,
1: about, don't, don't, don't worry about, you know, the, don't worry about the politics of blowing up, a, a you know, major, uh, national, uh, international monument, you know, um, I still haven't uh, seen this or the 10th one. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm
1: not going to say anything else, but, I uh, yeah. Like, uh, I, if you, if you, if you want to just turn that part of your brain off and, and enjoy an action movie with some ridiculous special effects. Those those stories exist. Or, I mean, like... You know... Uh, no, I can't even. Because, like, it's... Uh, you know, John Wick has so much of that stuff in it, too. You know? I, I don't know. I, I just I just find that that people... Um, they just... Uh, there's a lot of people out there who say that they're Star Wars fans. But they just really don't get Star Wars. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say. Because it sounds gatekeepy. But... um. It's not, it is not, it's not me trying to gatekeep. It's just me trying to go like, listen, if you're not having fun at the party, leave the party. Because those of us who are having fun at the party, you're bringing us down, man. Like, (laughs) like, um, and every (laughs) once in a while, every once in a while, parts of the party suck. And I like, I'm, I'm not one to shy away from that stuff. And we'll talk about it when that happens. This show is not that. It is not it. And certainly, like, like the two things that people complained about, R- Riva and Leia, are not the reasons why this show falls flat for some people. Um, I, I think, like, there's some execution stuff. I do think there's some budget stuff. I think you brought that up a little bit earlier. Uh, I do think that there's a little bit of budget stuff that's like, yeah, okay, they could have pumped a little bit more money into this. Uh, and done it a little bit better. I also think that we're still in early days with the volume and figuring out how to use this thing, uh, this piece of technology.
0: And COVID, they were filming during um, COVID.
1: And COVID, yeah, it's a COVID show, right? So it
0: is a COVID I, show. I,
1: you know, like there are aspects of it that 100, yeah, you know, you can kind of see the seams a little bit. You can see the the wires, but but I am I always heard. I'm always of the mind like special effects are in service of getting the story told and as long as the story gets told i like i'll forgive bad special effects you know um
0: real fast not to go down to this path real fast but i never heard any actual discourse regarding leia was there any negative discourse regarding that because i mean i didn't hear it and not that i want to again go into that but did that ever happen there
1: were, there was a segment of people that just wanted a show. They just wanted six episodes of Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting. That's all they wanted. They just, they just wanted Vader and, and Obi-Wan dueling gotcha. for six okay. hours straight. Um, That's not what they would say to you. They would say that they want star Wars the way that it's always been. All oh, kids are annoying, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like they, they had, they had their, their faux reasons, but the reality is that like that segment very specifically, just wanted they just want you you know that clip that surfaces every once in a while of like uh of obi-wan and vader fighting on the death star that like the fan Mm -hmm. thing where the guys like went in and made it like duel of the fates uh, battle of the heroes style um yeah and they go like and it's always like accompanied with a caption of like oh this is what it should have been or oh oh you know like if you're gonna make a special edition this is how you do it that sort of thing um the same people who just like lose their minds at the end of rogue one, when Vader just murders a hallway, um, or Luke mirroring that murders a a hallway of, uh, of, of, uh, dark trooper droids, dark troopers. Um, like these, these individuals have a very myopic perspective on what star Wars is. And they, uh, they they want it to fulfill their male power fantasies, um, and so a show that comes in that is about actually the um, the I uh, uh, I mean I mean ch- like to put a very fine point on it like the the, the power of the 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 goddess in our lives uh, the 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 feminine uh, uh, sort of deity figure. In a rebirth, right? Like, like, like the, the way that that all, that that all plays together. I am by no means an expert on this stuff. Go listen to uh, Marie Claire on what the forest talk about this stuff. And she will get into it in, in much more depth and detail than I ever possibly could. Cause I am, but a humble student of her, and uh, I, you know her and Ty and Missy and uh, these other incredible women that I that I've been lucky to uh, surround myself with in my journey with Star Wars these last few years. But I I but I think there's a lot of there are a lot of men who reject that idea in Star Wars, um, both on the fan side as well as on the creative side. Uh, and, uh, like, like they just, they reject the feminine. They reject that, that goddess figure and they don't want it in the story. And like Leia represents that. Leia has always represented that in Star Wars, like from, from day one. And even as a child, like that is the thing that is the, um, the secret sauce of that character is that she has this unlimited potential to shape the world around her um, because she is tapped into the goddess right and then and then reva is a character who on the flip side of that is detached from it and needs to come back to it right the same yeah. as obi-wan 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 needs that it <laughs> bail has has the comment when he's he he they make the emergency call after she's been taken, he says, Obi Wan says my responsibility is to the boy and and, Bail says what about your responsibility to her? She's just as important okay. as he is, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And which is like that right there, Bale saying that was offensive to a certain type of Star Wars fan, the ones who get mad at the last Jedi, the ones who are upset that Han Solo gave the millennium Falcon to a girl. Right. Uh, The ones that, that, that just like, they can't handle women. They also don't like captain Marvel. They also don't like, you know, take your pick. Right. I I bet you
0: that line was also on a whiteboard in the writer's room. And, you know, people forget, you know, Hey, Deborah Chow is the, director yeah, of these exactly. episodes. Exactly. So yeah. like this is where it was gonna go always and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So like that that to me, like that line, I love it when when I say this all the time. I love it when a when a piece of art states its thesis so clearly. Mm-hmm. Especially okay. when it does it early in the story. <clears throat> and they do in this. That is the thesis of this whole thing. It's what it all revolves around because it is, it is not just, Hey, star Wars fans. Leia is just as important to the story as Luke. That's part of it, but it is also Obi-Wan, this part of your character, this aspect of who you are, your compassion, your love, these things that you've abandoned because of what happened because of the trauma that you experienced in order 66 and in you thought killing Anakin, killing that part of yourself, I uh, it's important and you need to find it again. And Leia is the one who helps him find it again. And it is only because Leia helps him find it again that Obi-Wan is then able to help Reva find it as well. Right. Right.
0: Absolutely. Leia doesn't
1: directly affect Reva in that way. Obi Wan does, but it's only because he goes through this journey of this series that he's able to pass that to her, um, and uh, and 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 rescue her, right? Um. So yeah, which then which then makes the confrontation with Vader that much more tragic for him, right? I, you know, I mean,
0: these, these first 10 years of his yeah. existence on Tatooine, <laughs> he's been solely taking, you know, just the responsibility over Luke. I and mean, like, let's, let's put Luke, it into,
1: pers- into perspective. He's been living in a cave for 10 years, not even a yeah. home. Just that's a where, cave, like, yeah. that's where he's at. He, he, he's not taking care of himself. You know, a Jawa thinks he's disgusting. Yeah. Um,
0: that's the bar. That's where we're at, guys. Exactly. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly. And that's why. That's why that. Like. And that's funny. But it's also like it's also an important thing in establishing, for sure, where this character has fallen to. Um. And then seeing the 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 juxtaposition of that to to the end of the series, right? Um. Yeah. It's so important, and it is. It is his connection to, um to the goddess, to, uh, to the feminine, to that power, to, to compassion, love, nurturing, all of that stuff that we would consider feminine qualities. Like, these are the things that Obi-Wan has left behind. These are the things that he has abandoned. He hasn't, he hasn't, you know, embraced like, cause Anakin also has lost those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in losing Padme, he loses all of those things, but Anakin embraces the, uh, the dark aspects of of um, masculinity power fear strength you know uh, uh, domina- domination all of these sorts of things um and becomes becomes a monster right i uh, more machine than man right but obi-wan 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 loses his humanity and becomes a shadow right like that's when we see him in this in this first episode that's what he is uh, and I love it. I love how it ends with. I mean, he states it. He says, "I'm I'm not the man that I used to be. Like, like find somebody else. She'll be better off." Right. Um, he really, really, truly believes that he has failed and that he's incapable, right? And then the episode ends with the woman at the uh, at the the transport. It's like, well, are you are you coming okay. or not, right? <laughs> um. And he has to make that decision. He literally has to cross that threshold at the end of, of this episode. It's just, it's not, not everything needs to be quite so clever. Um, sometimes, sometimes the story can actually like present itself in a very s- straightforward and, uh, and uh, simple way. And, and this does. Uh, this first episode does. It it's gonna get more complex as we go, but this beginning of the, the the his hero's journey, um it's 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 very clear. It's very clear. But it'll it's also it's also a middle-aged man's hero's journey, so it's a it's different from Luke's. Um
0: it's finding himself again, you know. It's uh yeah. him on him on Tatooine uh for me represents Anakin. It's yeah. Anakin where he grew up um this is he's been you know watching over luke and i mean we have a direct callback where he's pretending to race you know like or fly, flyer yeah. it looks kind of like pod racing but you know it's yeah it's he's looking he's just he cannot escape the anakin of it all yeah. and as soon as leia returns uh into his kind of focus it's almost like as if padme and that side of his past is now returning where where she came from was more natural there was you know it was naboo it was you know more lush and green and there was water and it's just uh going back to your the the feminine of it all and that is what she represents and it's like he needed that to get to where he will eventually become in uh new hope
1: yeah yeah absolutely um yeah I don't. It, was it? Was there anything else in this episode that you wanted to that you wanted to cover? Because I I feel like we've kind of covered it. We're at an hour and a half now. So um,
0: yeah, we got, uh, I have a couple of little things, but again, yeah, there's sure. just like little like things where, um, if there was one thing I kind of missed, uh, and this happens mostly in the in the some of the shows, uh, and I don't think does it either. Um, I, I kind of missed the transitional wipes. Uh, you know, that mm. you know were popularized by Lucas and Star Wars and whatnot. Yeah. Um, doesn't need to happen in all of the shows, so but I kind of miss them. Um, Ewan is still amazing after all these years, and um, I I just remember, like, you know, again, with the retrospect of going back to the show because uh, I have not seen it as much as you have. I think I may have seen it twice before, like, seen every episode like once or twice. Um, but uh, I've never actually, I I still have failed to like watch the entire like six hours, and I still want to do that just like have an entire day just yeah. watch it all um i still feel that and like going back to your point earlier it would be nice to just do that because i think it does play better because as it like a five six hour movie but um i just remember just revisiting it and like the first like 20 minutes i found myself i think smiling like f- at least three times <laughs> just mm-hmm. and uh you know the leia of it all um uh, you know we talked about the leia um um yeah i just um I do love the show. I am happy that it's, you know, that we're kind of going back to it. And I, I'm happy that if, uh, by the end of the day, it finally exists, it's finally something that we can just mm-hmm. go back to. It's not something that we're, cause I mean, we could kind of forget. I mean, it's, it's been a long time for, you know, since Revenge of the Sith and ever since Revenge of the Sith, basically it's been like, Oh man, what it would be kind of nice to see a, a show or a movie of Obi-Wan just in the desert Uh, wallowing in despair and everything and i get six hours of that that's fine but like Mm -hmm. i love how we actually have a purpose with this story and it's not just wallowing and not uh not not a hit on andor or anything but it's like if if it was probably created by like tony Gilroy, this would have been six hours of you know him Mm -hmm. wallowing in the desert and i don't know if that's necessarily a story that we need for this uh, day and age but uh um cinematography was fantastic um I love the day in the life montage that we basically got. We got kind of like three different days of him um, at work and um, love the subtle sub- cinematography where every time he's on his transport back to Mossley like we, every day we get a little bit closer to him, you know, uh, like the first day it's pretty wide. Second uh, day, it's a little bit closer. And then after everything that's been happening uh, through the course of the episode, that uh, third day, we're like basically at a profile, just, extreme close-up on him. I just love that subtle cinematography uh, so much. Um, I will end my thoughts with basically, uh, I guess, asking you a question, like, what did you think of the music overall, I guess, for this episode? Um, Did you love it? Did you struggle with it? I I love the Obi-Wan theme, but nothing really past that really, honestly, like, got me. Um, what did you think of the music overall?
1: Um, I mean, I love it. I, the, the Obi-Wan theme has become one of my absolute favorite pieces of music in Star Wars. Uh, it, I love the way that it, it's a, it's a, it's a lead to the force theme, which was Obi-Wan's theme in i mean it's labeled as obi-wan's theme in in um in a new hope right in that Mm. soundtrack but that that theme has come to represent so much more than that one character I it it it, i mean if if it represents any character it represents luke um but really it, it represents the light side it represents the force right so this this theme Obi-Wan's theme in this show in the way that it never quite, it never quite hits that high that results. Yeah. Like <laughs> it just kind of, it's always kind of, it's, it's just always kind of building. And then there's that, just that little hint of the clone wars. There's that little hint of like a militaristic, um, like a March throughout it. That is, um, that's like it's the that's the threat of of Anakin of of mm. Vader throughout okay. um, that's the John Williams piece, right? Uh, the the right. other the other side of this, the other part of the score um I really, really like the 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 theme for Leia. Um, it's a I, it feels it feels a lot more prequally to me like the obi-wan theme feels very original trilogy um but that but that leia theme has 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 a bit of the the sort of happier prequel vibes um but it's also just kind of its own thing it's this it's this other period of life it's the rest of the galaxy is in a very bad place but leia Mm -hmm. is like luke uh uh a a ray of light (laughs) she's 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 um man how did we not know that ray was like this is the central character she's she's ray ray light side get it um I (laughs) i but she like like leia represents that she is hope for the future um and the and her theme is upbeat and represents that very, very well. So I, 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 I do think that like, they did a very good job of that. I would have liked for Riva to have something a little bit more signature, um, like a little bit more of a, of a, of a, of a leitmotif for her, um, that could carry through or even just the inquisitors having their own. But that is also an aspect of like, "Mm, there's not really, that doesn't really exist in general. Um, and, everybody it's it, that one's hard because it's so hard to do anything other than uh the imperial march M- michael gitchino who is after john williams my favorite composer i i tried so hard on rogue one to create some empire vibes that were different but but like recognizable from the imperial march and there's good stuff in there but it's not i i personally think rogue one is is possibly his his weakest um his weakest score which which kills me because because he's one of my favorite composers i like i said after john williams he's my favorite i love his music so so much the choices that he makes um i mean the doctor strange soundtrack soundtrack is one of my favorite scores of all time um same here yeah he, it's so so good my daughter uh, and, was actually
0: humming that today so i was yeah, really proud of her <laughs> that's awesome um but um
1: and L- Lightyear year is a movie that i could take or leave it's i don't particularly think that it's great it it misses the mark in a lot of ways that i wanted that that film to go but that score his music in that is like oh so good but rogue one which is a very good movie it's not my cup of tea Anybody who's listened to me for a long time knows that it's not my favorite. Um, it's actually like pretty low on my list of Star Wars movies. I, but Michael Giacchino doing a Star Wars score should have been a slam dunk for me, but also he had six months because it was somebody else and they dropped out and he came in. I heard it was, I thought it was six weeks. (laughs) Maybe it's six weeks. You might be right, it was probably six weeks. Um, he had no time at all and threw together what he did. And like that, considering that it's a pretty impressive score, but, um, he did not have the time that he would have had on, on other projects. I think you're right it's six weeks.
0: I um, think he, I, I did uh, see, I slightly disagree because I loved his, uh, uh I did love his Imperial theme. I, I love the, uh, the, the space battle, uh, the, the entire like third act. Uh, I thought he nailed. And then, um, I also appreciated that because we never got, because Vader had a theme in the original film that never came back because it was in, um, you know, basically by the time you get to the Empire Strikes Back, you get the Imperial March and how you're going to use the other theme. But he brought that theme back from A New Hope into Rogue One because uh, that was kind of the same era. So I appreciated that. And um, lastly, he had, I want to say it was uh, Jin's theme, was very reminiscent to a leitmotif that Williams had in the original film. Uh, you could kind of hear it when um, Obi-Wan and w- Obi and Luke were in the hut. <coughs> Excuse me. Obi-Wan and Luke were in the hut, and he just got the message from Leia, and the music basically during the scene where he's like, I can't get involved. I got work to do. That that whole moment, there's Jin's theme was birthed out of that scene. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated all that stuff, and um, that's interesting. It's your least favorite. I didn't know that. It's,
1: uh, yeah. And, and it's, and it's also like my least favorite star Wars score. Um, I'll like, I do not listen to that music. Actually, you know what? That's not true. That's not true. I would have said that a few years ago. I rise of Skywalker Skywalker. is not a particularly good score. Um, it's there, there is, there is one moment in rise of Skywalker that stands out for me. And that is an amazing piece of composition by John Williams, the rest of it feels like a lot of retreading and a lot of like just the same stuff from the previous two movies. Um, But the, but it's not included in the soundtrack. It's in the movie, but it's not in the soundtrack. It drives me nuts. The moment when, when Ben comes to Exegol and, and Ben and Ray are reunited and it plays the heroic version of the Kylo Ren theme is one of my favorite pieces of music in all of star Wars. As a matter of fact, in the entirety of that absolute, uh, Bantha Pudu film, uh, (laughs) that moment, like when I think about it, like, like I don't like the rise of Skywalker. I actively dislike that, that movie. Uh, it does have some redeeming qualities. I do think that the first act is pretty solid everything up until they leave Poisson, up until up until she destroys the shuttle um is pretty good i uh, like it's it's pretty okay it's pretty okay third act or sorry first act of 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 the third act of, of a star war right um and then is after that everything just f- falls apart and just gets worse and worse and worse the second they pick up the dagger i think the movie the movie <laughs> falls apart because every like because this, uh, I guess it's not the saying they pick up the dagger. It really is. It really is. They get out of the out, out of the snake cave, and I, uh, I, yeah, she ends up blowing up the ship and thinks that she's killed Chewie. And she's like, from that moment forward, the movie just slowly f- falls apart, like you know, cotton candy in the rain. I, right. uh, uh, not slow at all. Very quickly. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do
0: your favor, and we'll maybe you should stop talking about rise no, of walker but but should, oh. yeah yeah
1: but that <laughs> but that one moment like that one moment in the score it gets me every single time like it makes that movie worthwhile for me like it's a like that one moment is such a redeeming quality but but uh, yeah but rogue one i don't like that score i just don't listen to it like like i just i it's it's not it's not a score and i listen to so much of the rest of star wars Um, but that was one that I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. It, it doesn't, it just doesn't work for me as like a, like on its own. It's great in the movie. It's all fine in the movie, but it's just Mm. not those pieces of music to me just don't stand on their own. They're a little bit, um, they're a little bit earwormy. The, the thing, the thing for me about the Obi-Wan score to bring it back to Obi-Wan is, um, it, it, it serves the story. I think I think more than anything, I there's an over-reliance on the Obi-Wan theme, um, which which is an interesting aspect of the production because it came in very late. It was not originally like John Williams was not originally going to compose anything for it. Um, right. I The original composer was, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm, I'm blanking on her name.
0: Natalie Holt.
1: Yeah, Natalie Holt. Thank you. Who did the score on Loki. Loki and uh that's i think loki like i think doctor strange has the best score in the mcu but mm-hmm. after that it's loki loki is number two for me like the score to loki it like i can't wait for that show to come back and one of the reasons is that, like that music that that opening theme gets you right into that show it gets you right into the headspace of like what's this show go- like what are we doing here um I yeah, I mean, like she's what an, what an incredible composer um, and uh, and then a lot of her stuff doesn't, I think make it into the show. It's in there, but um I'm trying to remember somebody else came in
0: William up, Ross uh, yeah, who's, thank uh, you. so William Ross is a uh, collaborator uh, of uh, John Williams and you, I think he usually does the compositions um when he's say not around or i, th- I think he's yeah. based out of la as well but um yeah william ross has been around i mean i, th- I think the first time i remember him being around was um uh, and he was i think working with williams before this but when um i really got into uh musical scores and soundtracks mm-hmm. and whatnot um the first time i read that name was in the harry potter and the chamber of secrets where 2002 was like a landmark year for williams he was doing uh minority report attack of the clones harry potter whatnot so like he was just slammed that year and uh william ross ended up like doing most of chamber secrets um off of uh william's work and whatnot so he's a strong like a huge collaborator with him mm. but um natalie so like going back to what you're saying about natalie holt like i agree with you about like loki uh it was so great but then like i don't again i don't know if it's again going back to that budget thing i don't know if like like most of the tracks that I've heard, and you know, when I listen back, when I watch the show, it feels like it's like the orchestras maybe half full, half empty, if you will. Mm-hmm. um Again, I don't know if that's a production thing with COVID or budget or something, but there is something I feel just missing um out of the overall score. Aside from the Obi Wan theme, like the Obi Wan theme, of course, and, mm-hmm. and and I'm not trying to like bash on her or anything. It's just, just a feeling that I get. Yeah. Um, so, um, not to, not to end the episode on a downer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, no, but, no. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, it's it, I, I think it's
1: interesting there. I don't, I, I think that she probably had, cause if I'm, if I remember right some of the reports that we got sort of as the series was coming out or after even, um, she, had basically scored the whole thing. And then they came in in the 11th hour with William Ross and replaced a bunch of it because mm-hmm. John Williams had done this Obi-Wan theme. So they came in and they like slammed the Obi-Wan theme into a bunch of places. And I would be really interested to hear what her Obi-Wan theme had been. Um, because the Leia theme is hers. A-, a lot of the other, the other the themes that are in it are hers. But it's a little bit, it's almost a little bit disjointed. So I wonder, I wonder how much of like that, like her Obi-Wan theme is in those other character, like those other moments, but we don't realize it because we don't, we didn't get the establishing theme that she wrote for Obi-Wan, right? So there's a, there's a it's a weird aspect there of like two composers, really three Um. That are, that are creating the score for this show, but not working together necessarily. Um, that it, yeah, there's a, it's a very interesting aspect to the way that the score came together on this. So I don't know, it, it, it it is one of those things, but I will say like, I will put on the Obi-Wan soundtrack and like, I'll listen to it from start to finish. I, and like, I love it. Like I, I, I it's, it's, it, it's one of the, it's one of the few Star Wars soundtracks that I'll do that with most of the time when I'm listening to Star Wars music, it's like a playlist where I've pulled out my favorite stuff. Um, but right. like, I, I think like, it's funny cause I many of them are not actually even John Williams ones. The solo soundtrack is, is just so good. It's so good from start to finish. I want John Powell to return yeah, to Star Wars. Yeah, so I want him to do more Star Wars as well. Cause he, he is, like his yeah. his stuff in that movie is so 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 good. Such strong stuff. Um, I love the percussiveness of it. I it's so everything so he does
0: percussion wise yeah. is I mean he comes so from good. Shrek and Jason Bourne and yeah, Jason yeah. Bourne especially. It just lives in that percussion. His Chewbacca <laughs> theme his
1: Chewbacca theme and solo is just like it again. It's one of my favorite pieces of star Wars music. And I love the Han Solo theme, the John Williams one as well. Right. The adventures of Han Solo. I love it. Right. Um, It's, it is in fact, the, the, the theme music uh, to, to this show that was composed by Christy Carew, I, uh, the note that I gave her is like, I want my own version of that. Like that, like that's like, that's it. And I, uh, <laughs> And she nailed that. So I have my own version of like a Han Solo uh, adventures of Han Solo theme. So I, I, yeah, but I, I, yeah, it's like that return of the Jedi is a, is a score that I will listen to from front to back. Um, and then, and then Obi-Wan, like that's, that's kind of, actually, I guess that's kind of it. The rest of them are like, I just pulled them apart, you know, like these couple of songs out of, phantom menace these couple from phantom, Attack of the Clones, i was about to say sort of,
0: phantom menace is probably one of my favorite scores overall empire Strikes back um but yeah phantom menace i mean especially again going back to that age of you know growing yeah. up you know the darth maul the duel of the fates is so formative but uh, again we could talk about that yeah, in the future yeah. <laughs> episodes <laughs> For but, sure. uh,
1: i mean anytime anytime well, anybody has anything sometimes. bad to say about the phantom menace i just go to the soundtrack and i go like uh, is the best music in the entire saga. So, you know, like, like, yeah, uh, yes. The force theme is, is great uh, and wonderful and timeless. The Imperial March is, uh, impossible to top, but has been overused throughout the years. Um, and, uh, and there's some great stuff in the sequels as well. The March of the resistance is great. Ray's theme is like a top five, Uh, piece of music in Star Wars. But like, man, Duel of the Fates can we just like it's nothing to do with Obi-Wan. I mean, I guess it's something to do with Obi-Wan because it was used in the marketing really heavily. Duel of the Fates is the best piece of Star Wars music there is.
0: Thank you. It just is.
1: It just is. And like that's (laughs) thank you. Because it's associated so heavily with the Phantom Menace, I think that people will like bristle at that. And because it is, I mean, it's not modern Star Wars at this point. The the prequels are vintage, Um, they're retro. I I but like I I I maybe actually that's the reason why we can say it now, right? Is that like we are like what we're like we're like twenty, we're almost twenty five years after the Phantom Menace. Next year will be twenty five years. I. I think it's time for us to all just acknowledge the reality that the Duel of the Fates is the best piece of music in all of Star Wars and nothing else, I think, even comes close. Like, it's just, it is such an amazing piece of music. Uh, it does everything that you need a piece of score to do. I mean, like, it is operatic. It is, uh, it is so evocative. It just takes you... The second from the Mm. first three notes you are there you are like you it is impossible if you have seen that movie to not immediately picture Darth Maul igniting that double-bladed lightsaber and then Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon with theirs and then like let's go right Mm -hmm. it's impossible it is impossible and like there are other pieces of star Wars music that I think are, are, are evocative in the same way, but not to that degree. Like, like that takes it and cranks it to 11 and breaks the knob clean off. It's and nothing else I think comes close to it. Right. The, the, the force theme and, and Luke looking out at the sunset would be, would be as close as you get in second place. But then like, this is the thing, the Imperial March is an amazing piece of music. It's beautiful uh, and it's perfect and it does exactly what it needs to do in the story. But like, is there a singular moment that you think of with the Imperial March? No, you just think about Darth Vader. You think about the character. It's it's so tied to that character, um, yeah. even though it's not technically his theme. But it's not evocative in the same way. It's evocative of a character and a vibe and of a feeling but not of a specific moment, right? Whereas, and then again with Ray's theme, similar. It it like I am like it immediately takes me to that character, but it doesn't immediately take me to a moment. Um, but yeah, with, with the Ray's
0: theme, I always think of her going down that uh, that dune with uh yeah. the piece of scrap. But um, no, you're right. I mean, Darth Maul. Um, that's the that's the one thing that I I. I I think they kind of play with it a little bit in the prequels where in like say Attack of the Clones when they reprised it, it was uh while well, Anakin was, mm-hmm. you know, searching for his mother, so that was nice. Um, and then uh during the battle between Palpatine and Yoda, so that was nice. Um yeah. again. But I think in the Zeitgeist it's more influenced by just Darth Maul. And yeah, we we hear that in solo when he has his moment and we hear subtle John Powell again does that subtle nod to Williams with uh the Duel of the Fates theme in the background and um, not necessarily, it, it, I'm not saying that it should have necessarily been reused in Obi-Wan uh, in this show, Obi-Wan, but um, there's a, there's a, in future episodes we could talk about it, but, it's, uh, um, I really did miss battle of the heroes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> battle of the heroes would have been good. Duel of the Fates doesn't necessarily apply in Obi-Wan, right? Because right. Duel of the Fates, I, uh, Dave Filoni, I oh, stay flowing, yeah. right? He's got the breakdown of it, oh, where yeah. he explains what Duel of the Fates, like what that title means. Right, it's not, it's not Obi Wan and Qui Gon versus Darth Maul. It's not the light side versus the dark side. It's literally like it is, it is the battle of like the light side and the dark side over the the fate of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. If Qui Gon survives, Anakin doesn't fall to the dark side the Sith don't return, right? Like that's, like, that's the, like, that's the reality of that. And every time that we hear that piece of music, it is at an in- integral point where the light side and the dark side are, are fighting for the soul of Anakin Skywalker, right? That first one is obviously in the main duel of the fates, the, the, the battle between uh, uh, the uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Maul, right? <clears throat> for the future right. of Anakin. Who's going to train him, right? I, second is, well, as you said, when we see him on the speeder in on, on Tatooine, that's, it's an internal struggle, but it is the light side and the dark side inside of Anakin, which one is going to come out on top. And we know the dark side comes out on top. It once again wins the fight. And then in the third instance, it is Yoda and Palpatine. And it, it is, again, like if Palpatine is defeated maybe Anakin can be rescued, right? Right. But if Palpatine wins, then Anakin's lost because Anakin will become Vader, right? Anakin, if, if Obi-Wan defeats Anakin on Mustafar and Palpatine is also defeated, then that's it. Anakin is saved in a different way, but he is saved, right? He doesn't become Vader. He doesn't go on to live a life of torment that then causes pain and suffering for others, right? Um, He's not, he's not saved in his own, like for, for him, but, but the galaxy is saved from him in a way. Right. Um, so those are the three times I don't, the, the, the thing about this series is that at no point are we fighting to save Anakin. There is a brief moment where Obi-Wan has a feeling that maybe he can, save Anakin and he gives him the chance. Right. we'll talk about it when we get to the final episode, he gives right. him an opportunity and then Vader confirms for Obi-Wan. I mean like he's, he's there. <coughs> Vader is lying to himself and Obi-Wan is, is not willing to fight that fight anymore. So I, 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 you know, and it, it's got to go the way that's got to go in order for everything else to happen. So it's fine, but but Obi Wan is not necessarily interested in redeeming Anakin. I uh, uh, he gives, but he does give him a chance. He does give him the, the briefest chance of like, it's not too late. You know, I'm sorry. I uh, and uh, to which Vader is like, no, you you have nothing to apologize for. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. I I that's so that, like that's Anakin has decided. Anakin is I mean Anakin's not there. It's Vader, right? Like we're 100% Vader. We are not fighting for the fate of Anakin Skywalker uh in yeah. in Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're actually it's actually it's actually flipped, right? We're actually fighting for the fate of Obi-Wan Kenobi and whether the light side or the dark side prevails. Um, represented by Leia and Riva, right? Um, whether or not the light side or the dark side prevails, it determines the course of the rest of the galaxy through Obi Wan. Because if Obi Wan is defeated, right? If the dark side wins, Leia is something happens to Leia, or Riva doesn't turn back to the light and does actually kill Luke, right? I mean like that then everything is lost and Obi-Wan would be lost and it's all it's all over the galaxy is lost. I mean eventually you know something would happen the force finds a way but I uh, the 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 fate of the galaxy as we understand it would have been completely altered, right? Um so it's really like like uh, yeah, it's 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 not about the duel of the fates for anakin so it would would need to be something different it needs to be something different so i think that's i think it's the right call not to use the duel of the fates in this series and when i see those those cuts where people cut them the cut it with the music of like duel of the fates and battle of the heroes i hate it i hate it in the same way that i hate that the 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 fan video of like oh but what if the fight between Vader and Obi Wan on the Death Star was this badass it's like listen my favorite lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars is Darth Maul versus Obi Wan on Tatooine the best duel in the entire entire series as far as I'm concerned
0: it's really the most realistic I mean let's
1: be honest (laughs) because it is like that is a Jedi master and a Sith Lord at the height of their powers. And it is like, like yeah. that is Obi-Wan exemplified, like as much as you know, Mace is the greatest swordsman, Yoda's the greatest mm-hmm. swordsman, Anakin is, is like, they're all, they're all very good at all of these flashy things. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the greatest swordsman in the history of the Jedi. As far as we know at this point, because he won that fight with one of the most formidable foes that we've ever seen in star Wars. Darth Maul is, Terrifyingly proficient with a lightsaber, right? And he defeats Darth Maul in three moves. But he defeats Darth Maul in three moves because of the millions of moves that he does before anything even happens. And it's all exemplified mm-hmm. in that so he 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 puts out the lightsaber, he he ignites his lightsaber, he he takes his form three stance. And then he alters it. He goes to a form one, and then uh, no, he he goes. What does he do? He go he goes from form three, right, from his classic Obi Wan, uh, uh, from uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Uh, yeah, which, he
0: goes for. So I'll be honest, i never actually studied the actual forms because yeah. I always thought he, they weren't really canning, quote unquote. But yeah. then. I know the pose. He moves moves into form two.
1: Yeah, he moves into form two, which is power, right? Um, In -hmm. order to fight Maul, okay, which is which is the lightsaber right in front of him, which is which is the form that he uses against Vader and that Vader uses against him on the Death Star. (coughs) Is that form two? You said. Yeah, that's form two. Um, okay, interesting. which is Vader's. I mean, that's Anakin and Vader's signature style. It's two hands and it's and it's like it's it's directly in front of you, it's the most aggressive stance in of all of the stances. And then he two moves hands, into no. form one, which was Qui Gon, right? Where he pulls yeah, the, the lightsaber back next to him, mm. um, and he does it to go. Darth Maul, right? I mean, I've talked about this mm-hmm. on so many podcasts, and it's this isn't just me talking about it. This is like a million people talking about it. But he moves into Form 1. I'm pretty sure it's Form 1, which is Qui-Gon. Um, I know for a fact, like, it's Qui-Gon. He moves into the, to the stance that Qui-Gon takes against Darth Maul in the final few blows when Darth Maul kills Qui-Gon, right? And Maul changes his stance to match because they're like, like it's a, it's a taunt, right? Obi Wan mm-hmm. moves into that move because he moves from like himself, or at least who he used to be, right? In that form three stance, which is which is the defensive stance, um, which is his signature, um, and then realizes like I can't defeat you, the it like with the with the old method, so he, he like he. He kind of goes into like something that's a little bit more like what he would use to fight Vader, um, which is now informed by the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because he has fought Vader. Right. So he moves into that yep. stance and then he moved, but then he realizes I can't defeat you with power. It's not going to work. He's uh, cause Maul is too much finesse. You can't defeat him with power. So then he moves into, into Qui-Gon's in order to, in order to goad him because he knows that the the, the number one thing that, that you can count on with a Sith, the thing that he's going to confront Vader with when he sees him again, is pride, right? So he moves him into a position of like, do, do it again. Come on. Like, kill me the same way you killed my master. And Darth Maul takes the bait because he can't not. He's a slave to that, right? He's a slave to the dark side. And he does. And Obi-Wan knows exactly how to defeat him in that moment, right? Uh, which is actually, like, mirrored in the fight that he has with with Vader at the end of the series. So we'll talk more about that when we get there. But there's... It's there, so like, good. It's so good. Obi-Wan is the greatest swordsman because it's not about the, the moves that you make. It's about all of the moves that you didn't. And that's, like, the samurai thing, right? Like, and that, that's why I go to that fight. And I'm like, this is the best lightsaber duel in the entire saga. Because it is the most, it is the most samurai sword fight in all of Star Wars, <coughs> and it's perfect.
0: It is. Did you feel that when you first saw it? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's awesome. It took it took me like three tri- three viewings uh, of just the scene, uh, like over and over. I think in a matter of like 12 hours to finally like, I I think I get it. I think I get it. But, um, I'll be honest. The first time I saw it, I think I was by myself and I I was disappointed, (laughs) but like I'm almost like ashamed to admit it now because it is like you, like it's one of my favorite uh, fight scenes ever, but it did. It was a process for me. It's almost like the, uh, Um, Mandalorian episode that we reviewed together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was a process a little bit, but yeah, Yeah, and that
1: that's that's sort of the way that it has to be sometimes because we bring our own baggage to it, right? But for for me, what it does is it establishes Obi Wan could have defeated Vader on the Death Star. He could have. He
0: didn't, especially after the show. Yeah,
1: he Obi Wan knew from the moment that he stepped foot off of the Millennium Falcon onto the deck of the Death Star. He was like, "I'm not leaving." I uh, and and he was resolved, and he was fine with it because it was no longer his story. It was no longer his journey. It was about Luke and Leia, and and again, the Obi Wan Kenobi series. This is the best Star Wars. Great Star Wars makes other Star Wars better. Now, when we watch A New Hope, before when we watch A New Hope, when we we see that moment, he looks over and he smiles at Luke. It's. <laughs> Luke is now the the future of the Jedi. I can do this. Like I will do this. I will sacrifice myself. It will secure their escape. I've I've held off Vader long enough that that like Luke will carry on. He will destroy the Death Star. He will defeat the he will defeat Vader. He will defeat the Emperor. No, I mean, Obi-Wan doesn't know exactly how all that's going to play out, but he knows in that moment that that's what's going to happen. Now that we have the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, (laughs) it's not just that. There you go. Okay. (laughs) He looks over and he sees Luke and Leia together. Together. (laughs) And it is in that moment that he goes, "Mm, I'm done. I it's do. it's not me anymore, and the most important thing that I can do now is give them the opportunity to escape. Vader, Vader won't, um, won't pursue. I mean, like, and he doesn't know that Vader has a plan and all of that stuff. But, but, um, but yeah, like that. Like, he, he, he but I, I firmly believe that he could have done the same thing to Vader that he did to Maul and I mean like the end of the end of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series like he could have he could have could have killed Vader in that moment too and he chooses not to right he chooses mercy i uh, i because he has to for himself right
0: yeah, going to um, kill him
1: yeah so i uh, yeah like like it's, it's stuff like that that like like the these these shows And the the additional stories with Obi-Wan, it's like it just it makes all of that stuff in A New Hope so much more powerful for me. Um, That's the like that is the that is the best gift that that any Star Wars can give is to is to make you feel deeper and love even more the other Star Wars that we have. Right. And eventually something will come along and it'll fix Rise of Skywalker. Um, and it'll make me go back and look and go, yeah, okay. I can live with this.
0: I, but, uh, Ray's coming back guys. Yeah. (laughs) Ray's coming back. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, for sure. I I agree with, uh, you on that. I mean, um, what a better way to have, you know, just retrospectively having just lay when Luke says I'm here to rescue you, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, where is he? Yeah. like now we know like and we've we've always known that leia had some sort of history whether it was an actual like relationship or at least you know hearing through stories of obi-wan kenobi but yeah. now we know it's so much more personal yeah. and what it, what you said it dude it's a gift yeah that we have this and this is what this show has brought us so like let's enjoy it let's enjoy this show for what it is And I'm not saying it as a, as a hit to the show. It's like, it's a great show. No, I like, that's the thing is that it is, it is
1: so well done. It is so expertly put together. Deborah Chow is so amazing. Um, and, and yet you, you do have a bunch of people that like that, that look this gift horse in the mouth and don't acknowledge how incredibly special this story is. Um, it, it 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 drives me absolutely nuts, dude. It it makes <laughs> me crazy that there are people who are like, eh, not for me. And it's like, really? I like, what do you do? I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know. I don't know what you want Star Wars to be if you don't want it to be this. Um, and then Endor comes out a couple months after this, and I'm like, oh, this is what you guys want. You just want you want to be depressed and anxious and uh, feel bad about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing it's missing is Darth Vader murdering people in a hallway, uh, and, it, and it would be the perfect show for a bunch of people. Uh, I it's, it's so it's, it's so far from what I need in Star Wars. So far from what I need Star Wars to be. I, I and, and Andor is great. It is fantastic. It's a phenomenal show. But it is so far from what I need Star Wars to be. Because I w- I need my Star Wars to be weird. I need it to be. Uh, out there I mean like like we talked about it we talked about it on the episode that you were on for Mando, right like like that's what I need Star Wars to be uh, I need it to be just,
0: Jack Black and Lizzo
1: oh man and like in, in all of the ways that that matters and if you disagree with me go back and listen to me talk about it on that episode and go listen to some other smart people talk about that episode that episode is a work of art it is a masterpiece
0: there's um, a droid morgue guys there's a droid morgue yeah it's so good <laughs> it's so
1: good. Um awesome. Well, you know what? Let's wrap it up there. We are over 2 hours. I I
0: I sorry I keep doing this to you, man. No,
1: hey, this is what it is, man. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what we do. It's awesome. Star Wars podcast, guys. I uh, yeah, we'll be back next week uh to talk about part 2. Um and uh, and we'll be continuing on 6 weeks of uh of of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So uh, we hope that you guys will join us. I hope that everybody enjoyed our conversation on this one. Um, it's got like, listen, it's a, this is just conversation. Uh, you've hopefully already seen these episodes at least once by the time that you're, that you're listening to us. It's hey not guys, about spoiler doing the recaps and stuff. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I didn't, we didn't say anything at the beginning. We were spoiling the no. whole season. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, you know, as well as and, or, and, uh, you know, whatever else, but, um, yeah that's it for this one thank you guys for joining us thank you marty for for joining me on this obi-wan kenobi retrospective uh and uh anytime yeah we'll we'll uh we'll we'll be back next week with another episode so uh thanks for listening we'll see you then thank you for listening to Thunderquack force perspectives our opening theme is composed for us by christy carew Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV, and join us on Discord at Thunderquack.com Discord. Support the show by visiting us at Patreon.com Thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.